addictions of various sorts, drugs, alcohol, even eating. We have students with eating addiction. Uh, not addictions, but when they don't want to eat <laughs> disorders. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, we rescue ladies out of the sex trade in Houston, and they can come and stay at our facility and uh, be discipled. We like to call it a discipleship training school because we think it's a lot more than a rehab. A rehab just gets you sober, um, but we want to lead you to Jesus and thrust you into your destiny. Amen? So that's the vision of Strong Tower. We have a men and a women's program. We have, um, I think, 110 people that live on campus now. Uh, God has really blessed uh, this uh, venture. And uh, just so you know, I just want to cast a little vision for you. Maybe you know someone or you're, you know, uh, you're able. Um, we right now are reading the program and they, they are getting their lives right. Jesus is doing great works and they want their children back. And so God is restoring that, but we're running out of room. Uh, so for instance, Kelly is one. She, her daughter Melody's coming uh, in two months. And then this is my sister-in-law, Ronnie. Uh, and she's having a baby and Pastor Michael Adams will be caring for, and his wife will be caring for the baby until she completes the program. Um, and then she'll be restored to that baby. And this is Brianna, by the way. She's also a woman. Um, so that's the vision of the future. Uh, our, our next step in this vision is to have housing uh, on campus um, for children and women to be restored. Amen? Um, so our whole focus at Strong Tower is the Bible and, and discipleship uh, through God's teachings. And um, you know, it takes a lot of faith. For these guys to come there and to stay a whole year. It's a year-long residential facility, and it takes a lot of faith for these men and women to leave their old lives and to leave these chaotic, disorderly, lawless lives, and then come to a place where everything they do is, you know, under authority. We need it, though. Amen. We, we need that. It's, um, and so today, I want to talk a little bit about faith. It's something that God's been speaking to me through the book of Habakkuk. So you could turn to Habakkuk chapter 1 um, if you have your Bibles or your iPads or your phones. Bless the Lord for technology. And uh, God's really been speaking to me about faith because of some of the struggles that I see the men and the women uh, coming with at Strong Tower. So this is why I want to teach on that today. So let's pray before I continue. Father, I thank you for your word. First of all, Lord, thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, um, what you meant 4,000, 3,000, 2,000 years ago, God, is still applicable for our lives in 2018 and on into the future. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we read your word together today and we study it, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us to have faith. Lord, I pray that you would grow our faith, that you would help us to exercise our faith. Holy Spirit, I pray that you give us great and keen, clear understanding of your word today and the message that you want to bring forth to us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring comfort where comfort's needed, that you would bring conviction where conviction's needed, correction where correction's needed, um, and wisdom where wisdom's needed. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. I pray you teach us powerfully today. Teach us, Holy Spirit. We ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we all know uh, 2018, the last 10 years really has been pretty crazy, right? Um, you got nuclear uh, warfare <laughs> warnings from North Korea going on. Uh, you got uh, immorality being celebrated on public television. Going on. Last year, I did a study, 90,000 Christians were martyred because of the name of Christ. Can you believe that? In 2017. Um, there's violence everywhere we look. Every time we turn on the TV, there's violence and chaos and disorder. 
And um, it's just, I'm not trying to be a cra- crazy or pessimist or anything like that, but I just want to bring to attention because um, this is the world that we live in. Even though we're not of the world, we do live in the world. And we need to, need to know what's going on around us so we know how to pray and know how to act and know how to have faith, okay? Um, these girls and men come in with, with crazy disorder in their lives, you know? They've lost their children, their husbands, their wives. Their houses got taken away. Some of them just got delivered out of prisons, you know? Um, and so the world is kind of chaotic these days for a lot of us. Um, in Matthew 24, 12, Jesus prophesies about the end days, which I believe that we're living in right now. And he says, uh, then in those days, lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. Now, lawlessness means a lack of order or, or a disobeying of God's ways. You understand? It's without control, lawless, okay? And it says in the end days that lawlessness is going to abound and the love of many, which is the agape of many, which means Christian love, will grow cold and people will begin to fall away because of the stuff that they see going on in society or in their lives. Jesus in chaos and disorder and and struggles and afflictions or they run away from Jesus in chaos and disorder. Uh, Things even like in my life with my autistic son and Steve's life, you know, um, some parents, they choose to run away from that and hand their children over to somebody else. I can't do it. You know, some people depend on the grace of God and they say, Jesus, we need your help. We can do this with you. Amen. So you get to choose which, one you, which way you want to go. Um, but my hope this morning is that those of us in this place that are listening to this message would not be counted among those who run away from it, uh, but instead would cling to Jesus in the end days. Amen? And we would put trust and faith in Jesus and in his word and his ways. Um, Christians are not called to run, but we're called to persevere. We're called to have patience. We're called to... To strive after Jesus in rough times. To cling to him. And I call this message, Living by Faith in the Midst of Chaos. That's the title of my message today. Living by Faith in the Midst of Chaos. Because as we open our books to Habakkuk chapter 1, what we see is a man that was living by faith in the midst of chaos. Um... Habakkuk, just so you know who he was, a little background on him, okay? He was a prophet um, in Judah. Order. Um, Habakkuk means the one who embraces. The one who embraces. Now, Habakkuk prophesied uh, uh, during the last days of the Assyrian Empire and before Nabopolassar of Babylon, who's, have anyone heard of King Nebuchadnezzar? That was his dad, okay? And it was before he came in and Babylon took over. So the Assyrian Empire was ruling, and Judah was falling away uh, in their area. Um, He was a contemporary of other prophets like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zephaniah. And these days when you search the history were very, very violent and full of chaos and immorality and idolatry, okay? And these are God's very own people doing this. And Habakkuk, he sees his brothers and sisters falling for it. They begin to entertain it. They begin to do things the way that the people, the foreigners around them do it instead of God's way. And even though Habakkuk's praying and he's fasting, have you all ever been there maybe in your lives? You, you, affliction starts to happen in your life. Maybe your child falls into drugs or alcohol. I don't know if anyone in here's their children maybe have done that or fallen away into some kind of idolatry or immoral lifestyle. 
And even though you're fasting and you're praying, right, and you're being uh, faithful to Jesus, it seems like nothing's happening. And that's question God a little bit. A lot of people in today's uh, age like to call Habakkuk the doubting Thomas of the Old Testament. And, and he sort of was. <laughs> he had a little questions, but haven't we all been a little a bit of a doubting Thomas at, at certain times? Um, but what I, we see mostly by this book, and in the end, is we see Habakkuk living by faith in the midst of chaos. So in this story, as I read it, we see different phases of Habakkuk's life and his faith as this thing goes on. And as I read it, it played out for me like a movie. Who likes movies? I like movies um, when I have time to watch them. And they have different scenes in them. So what I did is I took this, this movie that I was seeing as I read the book of Habakkuk and I separated it into four different scenes to break it down today. And so we're going to go on to scene one of this Habakkuk movie and that's called The Question. Scene one, The Question. Habakkuk one, two through four, it says, The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear, even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and ju- perverse judgment proceeds. So Habakkuk cries out. He's surrounded by all this junk going on in the world. And he cries out, God, don't you see what's going on around me? Don't you see the violence? Don't you see the immorality? Why aren't you doing anything about it? You see, Habakkuk is faithful to God. He loves his God, and he's jealous for God's righteousness to happen. So he begins to cry out. Deep in his heart, Habakkuk wants Judah to honor and obey God, uh, but here they are falling away over and over and over again. And so he begins to cry out, for a holy intervention. I want to ask you guys, aren't we ready for a holy intervention in our lives? Aren't we ready for a holy intervention in our country or in our state, in our city? Some of us are ready for it in our city. Hitchcock, Texas needs a holy intervention, man, (laughs) or we are in trouble. Because Jesus is the only answer. God is the only answer for all this stuff that's going on around us, okay? All the violence, all the shootings, all the, this junk, the immorality. We need a holy intervention. Because right now, we are just like in Habakkuk's time, you see. More people are falling away that are coming to Christ. People on the earth, and there's about, what, 7 billion unbelievers. So that's, <laughs> people are running away from the Lord. We need a holy intervention The mere fact that Habakkuk was calling on his God in the first place and praying showed that he had faith, that he needed faith and he had faith, amen? He cries out, oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Does this go up anymore? That's okay, I'll just leave it. How long shall I cry and you not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. I want to tell you this morning that even your weak prayers, they move the heart of a loving God. Even your weak prayers, even when you cry out in your weakness, even when you're doubting a little bit, your prayers move the heart of a loving God, no matter how big or how small the issue is you're crying out about. 
God is waiting in our days for his beloved to cry out to him for a holy intervention. In unity, by the way. The church is supposed to cry out in unity. God shows his heart when he uh, says something to King Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14. He says, When I shut up the heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestles and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. But how many of us really pray? That's a question we ought to ask ourselves as believers. How many of us really spend time in prayer? We spend a lot of, you know, uh, time watching Family Feud and such, you know, (laughs) as the world turns or whatever. Uh, But how many of us really spend time agonizing and begging God, Lord, please, we need a holy intervention in this life? Has anyone ever been in them prayer meetings? You know what I mean? You get in there and you'll be praying and you're like, oh, man, I'm getting Jesus. He's surely going to hear my prayer. And you think 45 minutes has been going by and you look at your watch. You're like, oh, man, it's been two minutes, man. I still got 15, eight minutes left of this prayer meeting. So you get back in there and you go, <laughs> five minutes later, you're burnt out. How many of us are really praying, really praying for a holy intervention in our times and in our families, for our children even? How, much, how many of us are fasting? And when I say fasting, I mean food and not McDonald's. <laughs> we need a holy intervention, brothers and sisters. Habakkuk started to think that God was indifferent to Judah's sin. He thought maybe God didn't care. Maybe financially. You might think, oh, God doesn't really care because I've been praying. He's not doing anything. He was tempted to think that. Maybe it's your child. Someone's struggling with addiction. Oh, maybe God doesn't really care. And it's tempting to think that, but it's not true. He loves, he loves you. He, he's very much involved. We're going to get to that in a minute, though. Some of us think that God might not care, but like Habakkuk, we have to cry out to God when our faith is tested. We ought to cry out to a God who hears us. I want to tell you this morning that we ought to stop crying to each other so much and complaining about each other and talking to each other about something that only God can change. And we ought to cry out together in unity to a God that can move on our behalf as he moved as he moved in Habakkuk's day. So if you say you really believe in Jesus, you really believe that this God is living God, okay? Then we have to start crying out to the Lord in our situations no matter what they are. Crying out with all of our hearts. Oh, Lord, how long? But guys, we can't start to doubt in our crying out phase, in the question phase. So that's going to move us on to scene two of this movie. The answer phase. I love the answer phase. Habakkuk 1, verse 5. Among the nations and watch, be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it were told you. For indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and nasty, or excuse me, hasty, (laughs) my bad, they probably were nasty too, Uh, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. I want you to notice that Habakkuk, a single man all by himself, cried out to God and God heard him and told him, listen dude, I'm already moving on your behalf. 
I remember when Elijah cries out to God. He cries out with, uh, it says, the, 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 uh, uh, the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Amen? Elisha, Elijah cried out to God that it wouldn't rain fervently. In three and a half years, it didn't rain. And then he cried out fervently again. Single man, Elijah, with whatever kind of faith he had, in faith, cried out to this God, and then it rained. Habakkuk did the same thing. He cries out to his God. And God answers him. He says, look, I'm already working. When we cry out to God in faith, he will answer us. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's not yet. But we can still cry out in faith and live in faith. Amen? Say that sometime, you know, oh, God doesn't really care about my little prayer. But I promise you, he does care about your little prayer. He loves your little prayer. He loves your weak prayer. How am I, sub I, we have a prayer meeting every single morning of the week, and the students will say, I'm scared to pray, Mike. I can't pray as good as you, or I can't pray as good as her or him. And I'm like, so you think that you're gonna impress God with your prayer, with your holy prayer, with your big words, the God of the universe. I say, he's not impressed by your big words. He's impressed by your heart, by a, a humble heart of prayer, amen, that you're even lifting up your voice. We just have to do it. We have to begin to be people of prayer and faith. If we are tempted to think that God doesn't care about our little prayers, then we just need to look back to the text right here. And it shows that even when there's a massive issue going on, like all of Judah rebelling against their God, that God is interested and he'll begin to move on your behalf. So in the midst of chaos, God tells Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I hear you. I hear you, Habakkuk. He tells Habakkuk, look among the nations and watch. The truth is, guys, is that God had been working the whole time. He never did stop working. In your situations, he's already at work. He's already putting things together and, huh, in perfect plan. Uh, a, couple, a couple years ago, I met Brianna at some other church in Hidalgo, Texas, and look who's with me today, years later. A couple years ago, I was not a pastor. I was a meth addict. God's already at work. God's already at work in your situation, in your children, in your lives, in your church. Hallelujah. In your pastor. Every situation. God's already at work. He says, look among the nations and check this out. <laughs> sometimes I wonder what Christianity would look like if Christians actually lived like they believed God if we actually lived our lives like we really believed that this holy God loved us and was for us and heard us sometimes I feel like Churches, they, they don't really know that God's a living God. It's almost like idolatry. <laughs> but when we really have that revelation that God is a living God, he's listening to us right here and right now. He's amongst us, amen, and he hears our prayers, and he's hearing me speak these things, and he's seeing you listen and take notes or whatever, you know, amen? What would it look like if we lived like God was all-knowing and all-powerful and sovereign in our lives? Because he is, amen? We can trust God. In your affliction, God is faithful. Listen, in your new disease, guess what? God is faithful. When you can't sleep at night, <laughs> God is faithful. He sees it already. When your child strays away as the prodigal son or daughter, 
God's faithful. When people leave your church and come to your church and all that, God is faithful. When you can't pay your bills, guess what? You're still blessed. God is faithful. And when you can pay your bills, God is faithful. I like it better when I can pay my bills. <laughs> but he's faithful either way. Bless the Lord. And that brings us to the next scene, scene three. I call it the waiting. The waiting. Habakkuk 2, 3, and 4, it says, God tells Habakkuk, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. You understand? We use that word a lot, the just shall live by faith. We use that, but we forgot that he's talking about in a context of waiting. It's in the hard time. The just shall live by faith. Not in the easy time, though it's applicable for that too, but we're talking about in the difficult times, the just shall live by faith. Perfect. And since God is infinite in his character, and that means he's infinite in his wisdom, he's infinite in his goodness, that means he's infinitely wise and good in his timing. Amen? He can't get it wrong. He's not even contained in our time. He created time. We're the ones who are worried about time. Sometimes I think I'm too old to make an impact for the kingdom because I'm like 39. So, <laughs> isn't that ridiculous? I'm 39. Moses was 80. Joshua was 80 before they started to make a big impact for the kingdom. Abraham and Sarah were 99. Man, it's never too late. God's timing is perfect. We just have to to be faithful in the waiting. He said, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. We have to pray in faith, you guys. We have to wait in faith. Waiting is probably the hardest phase to live like a Christian and to wait. It, who would agree? I don't know if you would agree, but I, I think that waiting is one of my most difficult things. When I know something's coming and I believe it, but I have to wait. Like King David had to wait 15 years till he received the, the kingship. G. Campbell Morgan, a writer, said this. He says, waiting for God is not laziness and in men of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. And third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. So Habakkuk waits with expectation, and he says this, Habakkuk 2.1, he says, I will stand my watch, and I will set myself on the rampart, and I will watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer me when I am corrected. Understand that Habakkuk was committed to live by faith in the midst of chaos. Habakkuk prays, how long, O Lord? And then God replies, he says, I'm doing this great thing, Habakkuk. It's going to be so great and awesome, Brianna, that I'm going to shock you. He says, Steve, I'm going to shock you with how great this is going to be in the end, if you will just live by faith. You understand? But it's not going to happen today. And it's probably not going to happen tomorrow. Because I have to work everything out. I have to put everything in its rightful place and in its order. 
God tells Habakkuk, it's got to be the right timing. Come, it will not tarry. And then he says, but the just shall live by faith. So we learn here so far that waiting patiently, excuse me, so, so we learn here in what I just said that waiting patiently and expectantly is a sign of true faith. I want to just stop real quick before I go to the last thing. Let's, get, let's understand what faith is. Hebrews 11 says that faith is the evidence of those things not, no, is the, uh, <laughs> there ain't no shame in my game. I just we had a blank there. Faith is the substance of those Ah, face of substance things hoped for, evidence of those things not seen. It's one of those two ways, okay? I promise you. You can look at it. Okay? But faith has gotten misinterpreted in 2018. Uh, most of the populace and church thinks that faith is a thought. It's something we think in our head, a truth. Okay? That's one kind of faith. But the kind of faith that or belief that Jesus asks for is called pisteo in the Greek, okay? Which means it's a verb. It's putting your trust in, putting everything, your whole life, into what you're believing. It's like coming to the side of a great chasm, okay? And you see a bridge crossing over from one side to the other made out of rope, rickety rope, okay? Then you stand at the side of the bridge and you say, oh, I believe that the bridge will hold my weight. I believe it with all of my heart. And you're even raising your hands and jumping. Do you really believe it, though? I'll show you. Belief is when you walk out upon it and you begin to walk across the bridge. That's pusteo. That's the kind of faith that God is asking us to have. Amen? The just shall live by faith. That means that sometimes we take chances and we have to depend on God. Maybe we even attempt impossible things. Amen? Isn't God the God of the impossible? How cool is it when God gives us an impossible task and then it happens because God did it and then we're like, man, that was so cool, God. So cool. Let's go to number four, last, last scene. Scene four is the confidence. I call this scene the confidence. So first we have the question. Habakkuk questions God in the midst of chaos. Number two, God answers Habakkuk in the midst of chaos. Number three, Habakkuk chooses to wait in the midst of chaos. And number four, scene four, Habakkuk has confidence in the midst of chaos. This is one of the most beautiful verses I've ever read. It makes me just want to tear up. I'm telling you, it's beautiful. Let's just listen closely. Habakkuk writes this beautiful poem. <laughs> he says, though the fig tree may not blossom... Nor fruit blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the field yields no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on the high hills. Amen. I think that's beautiful. It's in a, listen, that's why I wrote this on Habakkuk. It's an awesome example of living by faith, no matter what happens, no matter how bad it looks. Habakkuk, he just pours out his heart right here, and he says, no matter what, I'm going to live by faith, and I'm going to trust you, God. 
Habakkuk questions God. God answers. God says, Habakkuk, I'm working on it, man. But you're going to have to wait and you're going to have to endure some affliction and some tribulation, ladies. You're going to have to go through a little bit of waiting period that may be difficult, folks. <laughs> but it's going to happen. We see a man with a heart full of hell. Remember, it says, though the flock would be cut off from the fold. Or in other words, listen, if everything predictable falls out from under your lives, everything good and predictable just... You know how it feels when your son has autism and then one day the doctor calls because he had some tests because he, he was acting weird and they say he has type 1 diabetes now. The floor, just, the floor just fall out. And then a couple years later, he falls down, starts shaking after you're being faithful to God. Now he has epilepsy. Sorry, Mr. Deegan. Oh, my gosh. When you get the phone call, you have cancer. You get the phone call, so-and-so. He just OD'd. That happens. And yet God still says, in the midst of all this stuff, live by faith. Believe me. Believe me. Believe me. I got this all under control. Job says in verse 3 and 18, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> I will joy in the God of my salvation. It doesn't matter if everything predictable collapses, y'all. We will joy in the Lord of our salvation. It reminds me of Job when it says in Job 13, 15, he says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. So y'all, is that the kind of faith that we have in this place today? You can trust that God is in control? Because that's the kind of faith that he wants us to have. And I'm going to close out with this. Uh, it's a story about a couple missionaries. And I just, I thought it was awesome and I love this story. So I'm going to read it to you, okay? Um, it looked like God was not moving in these missionary situations. And yet they lived by faith and God came through in his time. It says, for, for 10 years, Robert and Mary Moffat labored faithfully in Botswana without one ray of encouragement to brighten their way. They could not report a single convert. Finally, the directors of their mission board began to question the wisdom of continuing the work. The thought of leaving their post, however, brought great grief to this devoted couple, for they felt sure that God was in their labors and that they would see people turn to Christ in due season. They stayed, and for over a year or two longer, darkness reigned. Then one day, a friend from England sent a word to the Moffats that she wanted to mail them a gift and ask what they would like. Trusting that in time the Lord would bless their work, Miss Moffat replied, Send us a communion set. I'm sure it will be needed. <laughs> oh, needed soon. God honored that dear woman's faith. Six converts was united to form the first Christian church in that land. The communion set from England was delayed in the mail... But on the very day before the first commemoration of the Lord's Supper in Botswana, the set arrived. Amen? So if we could all stand up this morning, please. And I just want us to, I just want us to quiet our hearts before Jesus for a little bit, before Holy God this morning.
and just begin to search within us, is this the kind of faith that we have been living by? Have we been patterning our lives after the kind of faith that, that we spoke of in the book of Habakkuk when it says the just shall live by faith? Or have we been doubting? Have we been declaring or have we been doubting? Amen. Because today what we want to do is I want to encourage you to begin to declare God's truths, to begin to declare God's promises. Amen. To just declare that, that the, the, the Lord says yes and amen to our prayers this morning. And just begin to search out our hearts. And if we're lacking in faith, the Lord says that we're to ask him for more. That just said, do you have the faith? And he says, well, I, I do, but help my unbelief. Amen. It's, it's okay. It's a good place to be when we can confess that we're lacking a little bit of faith. Faith. So today as we close out, I just want to invite anybody up here that, that wants more faith to just we'll come and pray together for more faith this morning. Amen. Come on. Amen.